All right, everybody, sports are coming back, we hope. Anyway, we have a Big Ten football schedule. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State are playing in October, as are Michigan and, and Michigan State. So a lot to look forward here, uh, a lot to look forward to here. Uh, and you can read about all of it here at The Athletic. Don't miss the exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. You can get all access to The Athletic's exclusive in-depth coverage uh, with the promo code theathletic.com backslash RPM to get 40% off an annual subscription. That's theathletic.com backslash RPM for 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. We want the Big Ten Championship and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, RPM podcast here on The Athletic. We have football to discuss. I am Nick Baumgartner along with Austin Meek. Uh, still quarantining, of course. But Austin, how are we doing otherwise? All right. We have a schedule in our hot little hands, we have a Big Ten football <laughs> schedule. I don't know what that means, but, you know, we'll take it, right? We will take it, indeed. I think that maybe that was the message today is it was interesting, uh, you know, as we woke up this morning. And obviously, you know, I think most of us knew that the Big Ten was uh, bracing to release this uh, this week uh, or maybe even earlier. Uh, I think we maybe thought it was going to come out Tuesday morning, but whatever. Um as they were releasing it, UConn was canceling its season, and <laughs> Rutgers is still in, you know, a complete mess. Uh, I think Michigan State is just about to come out of quarantine, actually, but I think Indiana's also got issues, Northwestern. But, you know, I mean, this gave something, this gave folks something to smile about, I assume, or hope, at least, uh, you know, this morning, even if these games are, you know, I guess, hypothetical in nature. But before we get into Michigan's Austin, really quick, just kind of touch on that. The, there, there are bye weeks built in here. The schedule is a little different, but it's also one of these... You know, if they have to push it, they can push it type of things. Yeah, I think I had some initial surprise that the Big Ten was going to try to play football on September 5th. Yeah. That's coming up real soon. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of teams are not even able to do anything right now. So the idea that we're going to be ready to play a football season basically in four weeks, I think, is a little bit optimistic. But I also think it is optimistic by design from yes. the standpoint that if things do come together and and we can play football on the first week of September that's great if they don't if if some teams or if everybody has to push that opening game back there is flexibility built into that schedule for for teams to be able to do that Michigan has a bye week on October 10th and another one on November 14th so games can slide into those spots if necessary. Games can go to the end of the season. Right now, Michigan doesn't have a game scheduled for the weekend of Thanksgiving, but you know, I, I think we have to take this entire schedule you know, with a degree of caution that uh, this, is, this is what it says right now. That doesn't mean that it's what it's actually going to be by any stretch. Right. It's in pencil. I think everybody knows that. Um, and that is, that's important to know. But I think you know, I think Kevin Warren, who was on obviously BTN this morning, Commissioner Kevin Warren. Uh, this is you know what a first year for him, obviously, yeah. right? But I mean, he uh, did make uh, the, the comments he made toward the end of his sort of interview with BTN was something along the lines of, you know, that he wanted to make sure that whenever this is done, 
uh, like whenever we're through this as a world, you know, uh, that that folks in the Big Ten could look back and say that the Big Ten tried to do everything in its power to put together a plan to make things as safe as possible, as healthy as possible, whatever, uh, during this situation to, to, to try their best to have football. I think that was my takeaway from it anyway. I suppose maybe that's up for interpretation. But I mean, I thought that was sort of his message today was, you know, we are trying everything we can and, and we don't want it to, to ever come off that if we can't play that we never that we didn't exhaust all possibilities. And, you know, I think that that was probably the best message that they could send today, given all the things that are sort of up in the air. Because I like you, Austin, I was surprised, you know, when we heard September 5th, a couple of days ago, whatever it was or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, you're, you know, uh, uh, that's surprising because you're just like, I mean, really, you know, you're just like, really, I mean, there's all these other programs that are going through turmoil right now and everything else. And it, it seems like a, at the time it was, you know, Michigan state had just started their, uh, quarantine records was having problems. Indiana's got a, got some issues going there as well. Uh, Northwestern and everybody's dealing with it, but you know, I thought the message was, was pretty on was pretty on there this morning in that, you know, we're going to try everything. We're going to exhaust all options. We're not going to just sit here and, and not try. Uh, I, I suppose I would have, I don't think I would have railed on them hard if they just come out and said, look, this isn't, this isn't doable. We're not going to, we're not going to pretend that this is possible. But at the same time, I can also appreciate, you know, sort of the effort to say, you know, we are trying, even if it maybe feels impossible at times and maybe it won't happen, but maybe it will. And we want to be ready in case we can the optics of putting out a football schedule at a time when, yeah. as you mentioned, Rutgers is dealing with, with a big outbreak. Michigan State has been shut down. It is tricky because you don't want to be seen as you know being callous to uh, what, what schools are dealing with, and you definitely don't want to be seen as just stubbornly pushing ahead with this in the face of, of evidence that it's not a good idea. Uh, you know, I, I think that the Big Ten has, has walked that line fairly well, uh, partly because they acknowledge that they are walking that line. You know, it's pretty explicit in everything that we do right now. All of this is is dependent upon the situation improving to the point that that it's prudent to play football. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't know if we're going to get there, but you know that without a plan to do it, it's not going to happen. And and there, there are people who feel like we should just shut it down right now. Um, and you do have to weigh, you know, right now teams are scheduled to, to open preseason camp uh, on, on Friday, and some teams yeah. have already started. And, uh, you know, that does introduce another level of risk. And if, if it goes bad in preseason camp, there are going to be people who say, you know, you could have shut this down uh, in, in late July. You could have shut this down in, in early August. And, you know, that's, you know, that's something that the Big Ten, I think, has to live with is they are making the decision to go forward with this without mm-hmm. you know, guarantees of, of how it's going to turn out. Uh, but at least they do seem to be you know, open-minded and not just totally yeah. tunnel vision, we have to go forward with this. I think that there is a, a real understanding around the league that um, it may be determined at some point in the next few weeks that that they can't go forward with this, but at least having the schedule gives them the option to go forward if, if it's decided that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, and I actually, as we're recording this, I saw, you know, 15 minutes ago here, uh, the players tribune 
has posted something, you know, a group of a thousand Big Ten football players are calling on the conference and the NCAA devised a more comprehensive plan on and safety and everything else. I mean, similar to what we saw with the Pac-12. Um, and I think that was sort of anticipated that players are going to are going to want to hear um, maybe more, spe- not maybe, they're going to want to hear more specifics. They're going to want to hear, you know, before this thing gets ramped up, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to say, I need to know, you know, what these plans are. And, you know, you, you might see more guys, you know, come out and say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I can't, you know, I, I if I have somebody at home that, you know, might be compromised by this or what have you, or if it's a player who's, we saw yesterday uh, on, what was it, Tuesday, Austin, um, Rashad Bateman from uh, Minnesota has opted out, uh, probably the best re- returning receiver, at least in terms of awards, uh, in the Big Ten. So we might see more of that. You might see more stuff, you know, along these lines. But I think, you know, Austin sort of hit it. The Big Ten, uh, as much as you can possibly, I suppose, in this situation, seems to me that they've at least, you know, been prepared and open about all this sort of stuff from the start. I mean, they were the first league to come out and and say, I mean, they were the first to kind of do everything. They were the first, if memory serves, to come out and say recruiting has been is paused back in March. They were the first to say we're not playing non-conference games. Uh, they weren't the first to, to <laughs> come out with a schedule. They took more time on that. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, it, it's encouraging, I suppose, on some level that the Big Ten is embracing this with all, you know, like you said, I mean, the most possible open-mindedness, whatever you want to say, you know, that you you know possibly can have because there's so, just so much uncertainty uh, sort of as we go forward here. Yeah, along with the schedule, it, it kind of got buried in there, but, but the Big Ten did release uh, protocols for every school, uniform testing requirements, including testing twice a week, which mm-hmm. I think is a good thing. And that has been consistently across the board, I think, when I've talked to parents, when I've talked to players. That's really been the big thing that they have asked for is just give us some consistency. Let us know that the school we're playing is adhering to the same standards that my school is because I, you know, the players understand you're only as safe as the school you're playing. You know, your school could be doing great. If another school is not, uh, you're exposed to that risk. And so built into these protocols, uh, there is, if if they function the way they're supposed to, and that always is is an open question, but if they function the way they're supposed to, there is some transparency built in there in terms of teams communicating test results with Mm -hmm. each other. There are uniform standards for testing. I think one thing that is still to come, if if I read this correctly, uh, and this was a big question that I had, and I think a lot of players has had, have had, is what is the threshold for rescheduling a game, uh, for shutting things down? You know, I think that that's the big missing piece that we need to have. Um, it it can't be a well, we're going to play it by year, and if you know if it gets to a point where we realize. Oh crap! We need to we need to shut it down. You know that that's not a situation that you want to be in. I think we've seen that maybe a little bit with Major League Baseball is you know the lack of a clear uniform standard of what happens if you have positive tests on a team. I think that that is the last piece of it that I would like to see to feel yeah. like there's a really strong plan in place. Yeah, I mean, there's more I'm sure that's going to have to come out, and and a lot of this is sort of feeling around as you go, and everyone has acknowledged that, um, and I think that's the thing to remember is there's been a lot of, you know, if we have to alter as we go forward here, we will, and, and that's part of the schedule and how it was designed. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about the schedule? You want yeah, to talk about the games? Let's, like, let's do that. Let's yeah. do so, so Michigan's schedule, of course, no non-conference games. We've known that. 
Um, Ohio State is not the opening game, but it's not going to be played on the last uh, Saturday of the season either. Michigan opens with, I'll just go through the whole thing here. September 5th, tentative start would be a home game at Purdue or a home game against Purdue. September 12th would be at Minnesota. The 19th, home against Penn State. The 26th, at Rutgers. Uh, October 3rd would be home against Michigan State. Then a bye week. Then at Indiana, at Ohio State on October 24th. Home against Wisconsin on, on Halloween, the 31st of October. Home against Maryland on the 7th. Then another bye week. And then the last game scheduled would be November 21 against uh, Northwestern. So, Austin, the first, let's just look at that first five games there, that chunk. Uh, home against Purdue, at Minnesota, home against Penn State. That is an interesting, the, the, the at Minnesota, home against Penn State, back-to-back there. And uh, keep in mind, these games are likely going to be played without fans or at least you know, very little in the stands. Um, a 3-0 start there would be outstanding. A 1-2 start there is absolutely possible, as is probably a 2-1 and one start. I mean, that seems like it's all over the place. In that first three games there, I would expect Michigan would be able to handle itself at Rutgers, and then the home game against Michigan State is something different. But those first three games, sort of your thoughts when you saw that? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, uh, even though Michigan does not get the non-conference games. It, it, you know, it's an easier start than having to go across the country and play Washington in the first game. Yeah, you, yep. You'd probably rather have Purdue at home to start the season. So you know, in that sense, there there's a little more time to ease into things, but it ramps up in a hurry going to Minnesota in week two and then Penn State at home in week three. Uh, you know, a lot, so many variables on the table uh, as we think about players that that potentially could be opting out of the season. You mentioned Rashad mm-hmm. Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver, who is opting out. Uh, you know, every team in preseason camp is going to be trying to fill some holes. Uh, and that's going to be the whole season. It's you know, it's going to be completely in flux from start to finish if there is a season. So, you know, on paper you would say those are two of of Michigan's uh, toughest games right there yeah. at Minnesota at home against Penn State. But like you mentioned, if they can get through that schedule, that stretch of the schedule, then there's a path for them to be potentially five and one when they yes. play Ohio State. And I think that, you know, I think if you can split those two games, if you can get either Minnesota or Penn State and then handle your business the rest of the way leading up to Ohio State, then what what you guarantee yourself is you're in the hunt when you play that game. You know, if you you have the path right there. Now, Michigan's yeah. been in that position time after time after time where, you know, you, you have a path when you get to Ohio State and Ohio State just completely shuts that down. So that, that could easily happen again. But at least, you know, to have some drama uh, by the time you get to October, I think Michigan needs to get at least one of those two games. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting to note here, too, with the fan thing. Um, so Michigan's obviously notoriously had many issues on the road against ranked teams, you know, for forever, uh, for the last, you know, for this century anyway, I should say. It's probably uh, for the last 15 years, certainly. Um, and I think it's important to note in those situations, because we talk about that a lot. Uh, when Michigan, And Austin, you've seen this last year. When Michigan goes on the road, to places that sometimes will have dud atmospheres. It's not a dud atmosphere when Michigan goes like, so September 12th at Minnesota, if we were in a non pandemic situation and you're playing at Minnesota in 2020 with PJ flex team being pretty talented, uh, ready to roll. 
Minnesota would have petitioned or what have you to have that game be a as big a spotlight as possible. The biggest promotion they would have had on their schedule probably the whole year. It would have been the most raucous they could have possibly made it. And now, if you go there, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be a pretty static whatever environment and everything else. I think that is something to note here in something like that. Uh, and even possibly at Ohio State. I mean, that is, I mean, Ohio State beats Michigan every year because they're better. But so we put that, we can just say that. But I mean, the crowd situation, when we look at this, uh, it can work, I guess, both ways even. As Penn State now suddenly gets to come to Michigan and doesn't have to deal with the crowd. But Michigan goes on the road in a lot of these games, Austin. And no crowd being there, I think, sort of could maybe even be an equalizer in some ways for them. Maybe more like an Ohio State would be in the same boat. When Michigan and Ohio State go to places, they don't get... They don't get the advantage of, well, that was just a dead crowd that day. It's always, you know, like if they go to Iowa, for example, it is rocking and rolling. It's not a late arriving crowd. It is not, you know, whatever. So I think it's interesting and, and we'll, we'll have to see how that works out. But Michigan only has a couple instances of that. But I saw that Minnesota one right off the shoot and thought, okay, well, that would be a lot more difficult if fans were there. Um, and now that they're not going to be there, probably, I would assume, you know, maybe that becomes maybe more manageable. I don't know. I mean, the atmosphere changes completely and everything kind of, you know, settles in. Yeah, having seen that atmosphere at Penn State last year oh, when Michigan yeah. played there, you can't tell me that wasn't <laughs> worth at least a touchdown. Yeah, I it's mean, like LSU yeah, now at that this was, point. That's what it's become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was as intense a home field atmosphere as, as I've seen anywhere I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, so when you take that out of the equation, that is significant. And I think, I think you're right that, you know, Michigan's home atmosphere – from my somewhat limited experience, you know, it, it's pretty consistent. Like I, I don't perceive a lot of like huge ups and downs to it. Like, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's an extra uh, edge to the crowd when they play Notre Dame or when they play Ohio State. But, you know, it's consistently pretty full, consistently pretty loud, never like completely insane, over the top, you know, craziest atmosphere yeah. you've ever seen. I mean, Penn State was more intimidating than, than yes. Michigan. I, I think we have yes. to be honest about that. Yes. So, you know, so maybe some of those highs and lows are are taken out of the equation now this year. And I, I think another thing that's interesting about it, I was thinking about this last night, will we see a, a disparity in what certain schools are able to do in terms of having fans? Are are there some schools that will be more aggressive about trying to get fans in the stands? Are there mm. some states, some state governors who yeah. will be more inclined to sign off on having fans than others? So, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at this like That's a good point. start to finish. It's a completely blank slate. Everybody's got the same situation. You know, everybody's basically playing in a neutral environment. It, it may not be that, you know, if we mm. get to, if we get to mid-October and the the trend lines are all looking good, I'm sure that Ohio State is going to you know, try to get oh, some fans God, in yeah. there, <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah, right. as you would expect. So um, potentially it could be a, it could be a, a neutralizer uh, to uh, not have fans, but hard, hard to say at this point. Before we get to the Ohio State, because we'll talk about that, Michigan State, October 3rd. Uh, I t- this is the first thing I looked for when we, when we saw the schedule because I've been waiting for it. And I tweeted this morning if anyone's found the Easter egg yet in the uh, in the Michigan-Michigan State schedule. So Michigan gets Michigan State at home for back-to-back seasons. Uh, completing the circle uh, for those who've been longtime listeners of the 2013, the, the, in Michigan's eyes, the dreaded 2013 <laughs> 
14, uh, when, when the Big Ten went from Legends leaders to East-West, realigned the divisions, there was a scheduling quirk. Some say intentional, others say it just was something that happened where Michigan State got Michigan at home back-to-back years and absolutely throttled Michigan, of course, which made Michigan fans even more upset. Michigan gets Michigan State at home back-to-back seasons, but Colton pointed this out this morning, Austin, to me. If the schedule for for 2021 stays, then Michigan State, is are they going to have to play at Michigan three straight years? Like, I don't know. That's gonna if that's gonna hold up or not, but that is an interesting uh, quirk there, and also a game that is super fascinating. I mean, Michigan State's obviously got a lot of problems right now that need to be fixed in terms of you know develop roster development, and everything else, and things that they haven't been able to even start with uh, with Mel Tucker and everything else. They just haven't had time as he was hired in you know mid February, and then everything shut down. But a Michigan-Michigan State game without fans, I mean, and presumably if that's at Michigan Stadium, I can't imagine Michigan's ever going to get to a point where they're going to allow, you know, heavy fan attendance this year. I wouldn't, unless something drastic changes. That's an interesting one, if nothing else, right before a bye week. And it's one that Mel Tucker will say, if you're Mel Tucker, you say, if we do nothing else this season, we acquit ourselves well in that game. And that will be how they approach it. And so for Michigan, again, you're going into that situation where you should have the upper hand in every way, but you're also going to be dealing with a team with literally nothing to lose and everything to gain by scaring the shit out of you or beating you. And that, to me, that October 3rd game, even though Michigan has a talent advantage in every way, it's still it's still super interesting until proven otherwise to me, I guess, at this point. I don't know what to think about it. D'Antonio's gone, but for Mel Tucker, this is your first impression, and the, and the biggest thing for him right now would be they got to get on the field and play so recruits and stuff can see what they're going to be about. I mean, that's a game there where, you know, Michigan's got it at home. I don't know how much that matters at this point, but um, and it's interesting. It's not nothing. It's not something that I would just say, okay, well, whatever. I mean, that's certainly a game to, uh, to watch, and it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, sort of unfolds. Yeah, I admit it didn't even occur to me that – Michigan could end up three straight years playing Michigan State yeah, at home. I didn't either. Totally but I guess up, yeah. if you think about it, like if you start messing around with future schedules to adapt to what you do this year, then that throws things into yeah. flux because schools are planning for a certain number of home games every year. And if all of a sudden you say, hey, this game you're planning to play at home now is on the road, that that could be an issue. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of that. I mean, my initial thought on it was, well, they'll probably just flip-flop, you know, because there would be some advantages to that both ways. You know, for Michigan, part of it is their schedule every year, they've got Michigan State and Ohio State at home. Yes. And Michigan State and Ohio State on the road. You know, it would be yes. nice to um, to flip those. So you've got at least one of those on your home schedule every year. Um, there would be some advantages to that. And I think there yeah. would be some advantages from Michigan State's perspective, frankly, that, look, they're going to do what they can do with what they have this mm-hmm. year, which may not be a lot. Uh, but if you give Mel Tucker the choice, do you want Michigan at home in your first year with no fans in the crowd, in the stands? Or do you want yeah. Michigan yeah. at home in your second year when maybe you've got things going a little more and now you can get all your fans in there? That might be a That might be a trade they'd take. I don't know. Yeah, I think Michigan would take, because we're about to get to this next point here, by the same token, Michigan's at Ohio State, uh, I guess it would flip back though, so they would get them back, and it would, but it would be the same thing like you said. I think Michigan would be probably a, probably up for a discussion on having that switch, because I don't think they, they're they big fans of, because so next year, let's say everything's normal again, 
your two biggest tickets are Michigan State and Ohio State. If you have them both at home in one year, that's great for that one year. But the next year, you have both away, and you don't you don't get that. So, you know, I, I guess it probably depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to a fan who thinks it's BS that that happened in the first place, <laughs> and they're going to want three straight and nothing to change. But if you're talking to somebody inside, you know, a ticketing office, they probably tell you, you know, I mean, we'd we'd like those to probably be alternated. Uh, again, so that we can balance the schedules a little, a little bit more. And maybe that's what will happen. I mean, there there might be other, I'm not, not might, there probably are ripples uh, like that across the Big Ten landscape that we haven't even you know seen yet or, or really gotten into. I'm sure that there's instances where things are now sort of unbalanced or out of whack a little bit. Um, but that was an interesting one. I, I'd wondered about that because, you know, we'd heard about that on the Michigan beat here for seven years <laughs> whatever it is remember that time Michigan State got back to back home yeah I remember so that has been uh that has been at least for now anyway uh you know re Michigan gets the back-to-back on the other side maybe three in a row who knows I guess we'll see uh which brings us to the next spot here October 24th at Ohio State Austin uh our great friend and colleague Ari Wasserman has been yelling and screaming that he wanted that game to be number one on the schedule September 5th right away and we'd heard um, and I love Ari, so yelling and screaming, whatever, but that's what he does. But uh, So we'd heard, though, that they were going to put maybe possibly some of these games early up in the schedule, and they sort of did and sort of didn't. It's not going to be the last game of the season. I think that's going to be, you know, obviously a thing that a lot of folks probably are going to look at that and be bummed out by. But, you know, it's there. It's a game. My first thought was, if Michigan goes to Ohio Stadium and plays in a stadium that's empty and actually wins the game, are we going to have a 70-year debate over whether or not it counts? <laughs> like, I don't know, right? But, like, of it's course, an interesting yeah. scenario. I can't even imagine going to a Michigan-Ohio State game with an empty... I can't even imagine. It would be... Of all these games, that's the one where I just... I can... I can imagine watching Michigan play Purdue with a dead crowd or nothing, right? Like nobody in the crowd. I can imagine Rutgers, right? I can imagine all the – even Michigan State to a degree. I can't imagine Michigan-Ohio State without fans. It's just to me it's – it will be a fascinating day if, in fact, we can get that far and if fans are still you know, being limited or whatever. I, I've been trying to picture it all morning what that would look like, and I, I still can't. It's just crazy because the fans are – such a big part of that game. There, uh, to me, they're like that one, and the and we talked about that at Penn State. But the Michigan Ohio State game, the the atmosphere um, for all of those, Homer away in Ann Arbor in Columbus, whatever it is, it's always the biggest part of the whole thing. People are you know just all about it when they're there. They won't be able to tailgate all that stuff. It's kind of wild to think about, but uh, that's sort of what we're staring at here. It's going to be super surreal. It, it really yep. is. And it really would have been surreal to see that game in week one on the schedule. Uh, you know, I kind of went back and forth on that. Um, most teams, uh, the first week of the season, are not functioning at the level that, that they're going to be playing at in the middle of the season. So right. just in the interest of getting the best game possible, I guess I, I mm-hmm. like having it in the middle of the season uh, when, when both teams have had a chance to sort of adjust to the players that they have and, and hopefully find a little bit of rhythm. Uh, you know, I, I had a, a question in the mailbag last week and, you know, hey, God bless the Michigan fans who find some some reasons for hope in that rivalry. I mean, that's what you have to do if you're yes, a Michigan yes. fan because yeah. otherwise you're just miserable. So I I love you know the Michigan fans who can who can find some hope 
in the midst of how that series has gone. And one of the questions I had in the mailbag was, would it be an advantage for Michigan to play Ohio State early because Ohio State wouldn't have film on the starting quarterback, which, you know, I guess we don't know. Maybe maybe (laughs) Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton is going to come out and just absolutely set the world on fire. Uh, I'm guessing that Ohio State is not you know, on pins and needles uh, to figure out what Michigan has next at quarterback. I don't, I don't think that's keeping Ohio state up at night. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, it's going to be a weird situation. It's going to be a game. If it's played, unlike any other game yes. in the history of the series, you know, the argument for playing it early is that, well, at least you get it in. Yeah. Um, but then it gets weird is you know, what happens what happens if you play that game and then the rest of the season gets canceled? I mean, talk about a debate that would <laughs> rage oh, on God. for eternity. Michigan yeah, you know, beats Ohio yeah, State right. and then the rest of the season gets scrapped. And does it count? <laughs> does it not count? That would have been a... Uh, well, that's going to be debated anyway, right? <laughs> yes. Does it count? Does it not? I'm sure. Yeah, right. I don't know. I came around a little bit on Ari's thing with the having it early. I, I thought that would have been a lot of fun, but I understand what you're saying too. I mean, like, it would have been pretty cool to say on September 5th, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play football. For those of you who have had to sit there for the last however many months without any sports, and I know sports are coming back now, we've seen some. Like that would have been a really neat thing and that would have been fun and everything else. But I do get that. I mean, like uh, Ohio State, I don't think, I mean, I already I tweeted about it a lot. And every time you'd look into his um, mentions, you'd see a lot of Ohio State fans that were even like knowing full well that they have, you know, the better, the better situation. We're still like, no, uh, we don't want that in the first game because, you know, who knows what that's going to look like and that would be weird. And plus, like Ohio State's entire, like, motivation to get through a regular season at this point is contingent on the one time they get to play Michigan. Have you seen Ohio State's schedule to start with? Not exactly a gauntlet. So they don't have <laughs> they don't have much to really worry about until they get to that point of their schedule. Uh, I believe I, I had it up a second ago, but it's not uh, exactly daunting. Theirs is more backloaded. And Michigan's... October stretch, as you mentioned, Austin, is also uh, pretty intense. At Indiana, at Ohio State, home against Wisconsin. That is a three-game. And then and then the Michigan State game before that. But that's that right there is, um, you know, back-to-back weeks of at Ohio State, then you come home to play Wisconsin. I, I Again, when Michigan and Ohio State play each other on that last game of the season and you have a month before bowl prep, that is the true example of everybody here today – that showed up to the stadium is going to fire every bullet they have. They're going to mm-hmm. leave everything they have out on the field. There's not going to be anything left. You know that it's agreed upon and they go and have at it. And that's why those games are often so entertaining. But in this case for Michigan, you got to go do that. And then the next week you got to play Wisconsin. Like that is, that's where this thing gets really even more strange and interesting to me is, I mean, you know, you're still going to want to go into that game with all guns blazing for what it means but then somehow you got to figure out a way to play one after that the next week. Uh, Ohio State's done that before in the Big Ten championship game. Michigan's never done that. And, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. That was my first thought, too, is Michigan's going to be in a situation that they've never been in before mm-hmm. of having to turn around and play another high-level opponent seven days after you play Ohio State. Because, like you said, right. the mentality forever in this rivalry has been – you know, you get to that last game of the season and whatever you've got left in the tank, you mm-hmm. pour it out there. You don't have to hold anything back. You don't have to save anything for the next week. You know, you've got a whole month after that game 
to regroup and recharge and do whatever you need to do to get back in the mindset to, to play football again. And that's just not, not how it's going to be. I think that that is super fascinating. Uh, you know, if either way, whatever happens in that yeah. game, if Michigan wins that game, <laughs> the emotional high that that team is going to mm. be on. I mean, yeah. they're going to oh, be God. walking on air when Wisconsin oh, comes in a week later. And how will that translate? Or if Michigan yeah. loses the game the way they've lost it the last two years, if it's just a beatdown, if Ohio State yeah. hangs 100 on them, do you get, how do you get ready to play a really good Wisconsin team seven days later? I think that's going to be a, a really fascinating and unprecedented situation if it, if it happens that way. But I think you know, the, the one thing to me looking at the back end of that schedule, mm-hmm. once you get past Halloween against Wisconsin, it's a, it's a pretty smooth landing there. Maryland on yep. November 7th at home, you get an off week. And then you close the season at Northwestern, which obviously is you know a weird way for a, a Michigan regular season to end. Uh, mm-hmm. But if if Michigan gets through that stretch in October, if they survive it in one piece, then the the path to finish out the season is pretty smooth for them. Yeah, we're so used to around here uh, from the Michigan side of things of you know coaches from back in the day always talking about November being you know, such an important, and it's real. I mean, you know, uh, championship month, if you if you can just get through November and it would and it's going to be the greatest challenge, you know, that you have in any calendar year because, you know, Michigan always had Ohio State at the end of November. And, and you know, most years always had probably one more challenge in there, whether it be, you know, Michigan State wasn't usually that late in the season, but sometimes it would be maybe a trip to Iowa or maybe, you know, a Wisconsin game or what have you. There would always be something uh, leading up to that last thing against Ohio State. And now you've got Ohio State-Wisconsin. Like you said, if you get through Halloween, because it used to be around Halloween was almost like, okay, whatever you are right now isn't going to matter in four weeks. Whatever you do after Halloween for Michigan's purposes was always, that's what's going to determine what your, your the finality of your season is. In this case, you know, I mean, if you get through Ohio State-Wisconsin somehow in, in half-decent shape and you get Maryland, Idle, then Northwestern, that's crazy to me to, to think about because we are so used to when you look at a Michigan schedule, it sort of builds in time. It used to be, you know, you'd have the non-conference games, which some years would come with a challenge. Then you'd sort of reset yourself and maybe you'd have a difficult Big Ten game at the start, but then you'd go through a stretch where it would be kind of whatever. Uh, that was usually October. And maybe there'd be one week in there would be interesting, but it was always this manageable game, manageable game, maybe something kind of interesting, manageable game. Then you get to November and it would be like, holy, oh my God, this is now it's getting a little crazy. And now it's not that way. So it's like, you look at it, like you said, we start from the front. I mean, if you can get through the first five uh, with one loss or no losses, you're in terrific shape. If you can somehow, you know, add Indiana, obviously probably not a cakewalk either, but then you got that Ohio State, Wisconsin, and that maybe decides the whole thing because, you know, who knows? And then the other question would be beyond that is if we can get through all this, what happens in a postseason? I have no idea. I mean, yeah. like obviously they're they're front loading as best they can to get these divisional games in that will matter or that they think will matter uh, to make a determination if they have to cut it short on you know who the, who wins the division or whatever for a Big Ten title game. But you know beyond that, I don't know what you know. I got asked that yesterday by somebody, and I was like, I don't know if they've even thought about that. What that's, I'm sure they have, but I don't know how much time they've spent on what does the postseason look like right at this point. So. Uh, who knows? It's just a crazy thing. It's crazy to see it. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's still like we knew it was coming. We knew they were going to publish it one way or the other. 
but it is crazy to see a schedule that looks like this to me. I mean, it's just really weird. Um, but in some ways, like I think about that too, and I'm like, why don't they always have stuff like this? This is more exciting. To I mean, if you if we were in a normal situation and they were going to start the season with a conference game and then get right going, to me that's better. Like I would prefer that rather than like, oh, they're playing who knows what wherever you know whatever. It's like these schools that they're going to hammer and everything else. I mean, I, I college football is such an interesting sport with a lot of quirks and issues and problems. And Kevin Warren said something today about you know hopefully by the time this is all over we will have learned a lot. And maybe there'll be things that we can take from this that we can use going forward. I think everybody needs to be as open-minded as possible about that sort of thing. Is the, the sport of college football is in the middle of change right now. And, and that's, in some ways, hopefully, you know, that can be a good thing on the, on the back end of it. If, if this produces positive change, if you can get something positive out of it, that maybe it's better for players in the end, or maybe the schedules are better, you know, whatever. If there's something that comes out of this that you can take away as a positive, I think that'd be, that'd be great. And I think that the Big Ten, like we've talked about already here, is... Is trying their best, you know, to make it to make it be something like that, and you know, we'll see how it pans out. But hopefully, that's the case. Yeah, sport has been so resistant to change. I mean, it, it takes something kind of seismic to to really yeah. see change in college sports, and that's that's where we're at right now. I mean, this this is the time that you know this instability that everybody's feeling right now. Uh, you know, it sucks in some ways. I mean, it's certainly not fun for you know any of us who kind of you know, build right. our, our lives around these schedules and, you know, the, the sports calendar. But at the, at the same time, it is, you know, it is an opportunity to, to make some changes that probably, frankly, have been long overdue. And some things about college football that just happened because this is the way we've always done it. Well, it's not the way we're doing it anymore. <laughs> and yep. if some of these things stick, that could be a good thing. I don't know. We'll see. You know, 50 years from now, we'll either look mm. back at this schedule and say, wow, that was a, a what might have been, you know, a great schedule yeah. that never happened. Or maybe we'll look back at this season as uh, the year that somehow we figured out how to play college football. And either way, uh, it's uh, a remarkable time to be doing what we it do, is. to be a college football fan uh, and to be a subscriber uh, of The Athletic. So we appreciate go. everybody for uh, following along during this just strange time. We appreciate you uh, reading the stories and catching up on the podcast. And we hope that we will continue to be uh, moving toward the return of college football in the fall. That certainly is what all of us are pulling for. Okay, well, thank you for checking out the RPM podcast. We appreciate it. We'll be back to talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.